just James, and today we will be talking about the Bunny Man Horror Anthology. So grab your Easter basket, fill it full of eggs, and fucking, I just, you know what, you know what, I just can't. With this particular movie, look, this is episode 25. Welcome back, everyone, to the Just James Horror Review. I'm your host, Just James. Like I said before, we will be discussing the Bunny Man anthology. Now, in this particular episode, we're going to talk about Bunny Man Massacre, the 2014 film, and the 2017 follow-up to that, Bunny Man Vengeance. Now, when I watched these two films, I didn't realize that there was one before these two in 2011, and I think it was just called Bunny Man. Um... I'm not going to watch it because after watching these two, it, that was hard, that was hard enough. So this isn't going to be, I will say this is going to be my first ever, I won't say negative review, but just, I just didn't like the films. I did enjoy the bunny man, the character, and it's a cool concept. You know, guy in a bunny man outfit is going around and he's going to be our slasher throughout the film. I thought that was a cool concept. So maybe if these people had more budget or they could do more, always try to look at the, uh, the bright side of things, you know, I'm not a filmmaker. I don't know what goes into this stuff. So did this guy, the director is Carl Lindenberg. Did he do a better job than I could have done? Absolutely. So anyway, let's get into it. Now, before we get started with Bunny Man Massacre, there was something that I saw in the only movie that has an actor that is even notable was apparently Diana Prince was in one of these. If you don't know, she's from The Last Drive-In. She's Darcy the Male Girl. Swing. And I couldn't find out where she was. It coined her as being in one of the films, but then it said that she was in like a, a, a grindhouse version, maybe a promo of the film. And I looked it up and it's basically just your typical slasher shower scene a reason to see her naked kind of scene i don't believe she was in the movie any more than that i didn't see her in the two that i watched i watched both these films on tubi everyone talks about tubi a lot of these other guys i listen to the watch films on tubi a lot of things are on there but i'd never really watched one that wasn't i guess name brand for lack of a better way to put it and i guess i got exactly what i was expecting to get when i watched these movies on tubi so if you've seen these films, you probably got lured in by the same thing I did. Cover art looks great. Guy in a bunny costume. He's got this big chainsaw. The cover art, he's holding the chainsaw. Very, very phallic, right? It's right at his lower waist there. The blade's pointing straight up, fully erect for this film. And um, that was probably the coolest part of the whole film. Whoa there, quick edit. The uh, chainsaw boner was not the coolest part of the whole film. The artwork was the coolest part of the whole film. Back to the show. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you haven't seen it, if there's anything else on the planet you want to watch, a, a docu-series, uh, the the documentary that they made about the little sub thing that sank and it imploded with all the people, just anything. Or if you just want to fall asleep watching golf, that might be better than watching this film. So let's walk through. Bunny Man Massacre is a 2014 film. Both these films are directed by Carl Lindbergh. I don't know if he's done anything else. There's a couple of other shorts and things that he was involved in on his uh, bio page. You can check that out. Again, the cover looks cool. And where I didn't see the first film, maybe that's my fault. So shame on shame. me for not seeing the first film and getting the setup for the second film. Because this first film starts out 
hits the ground absolutely running. Opening scene, it's a desert. I, I should have looked up where this was, but it just big, long, desolate desert scene. There's a bus stop, and there's a kid there at the bus stop, and a school bus pulls up. It's full of children. I'm going to guess middle school age. They don't look like high schoolers. And the bus driver pulls up to the bus stop to where the kid is sitting on the bench when they pull up. Bus driver realizes that this kid on the bench is dead. So she goes to freak out with well, a bunny man walks up and just blasts her with a shotgun or something like that through the window. And then the bunny man takes his chainsaw. He gets on the bus and he just starts chainsawing up all these kids. I mean, just slicing and dicing up all these kids. Now, this thing didn't have the biggest budget, and that's obvious by the how the effects are, but there was a lot of, I don't know, people in it, and I did like the story. It's not like the elements weren't there. Maybe it was just execution. So the bunny man starts walking through the bus. He's slicing all these kids. They're trying to jump out of the back. Some make it, some don't, and it shows him in the back after some of them make it through the door and he's like you know he chainsaws this one kid down and then as the kid is down on the ground he lays down the chainsaw and then just starts punching this kid just like and, and it doesn't show it you just see him punching and then you can't see below like where the window is so again they're doing the most they can without actually showing anything which is a saving grace to me because I don't really want to watch a bunch of kids get chainsawed up to be honest with you I'm a horror fan but just stuff like that is not something that you know is something I want to watch for fun. I'll say that. So not seeing the first film, maybe this kind of stuff happened in the first film. Maybe it was this super ultraviolet, like shocking, oh my gosh, can't believe that happened kind of thing. But have you ever seen the film Hobo with a Shotgun? If you haven't, it kind of has that trauma feel to it. And this film was kind of like that. It just, well, also in Hobo with a Shotgun, there's a school bus scene where I think some guy like torches a school bus, a bunch of kids on it. But anyway, it just had that feel, like the video, how, how it was laid out, and the film that they recorded on and that kind of stuff, it just had a very similar feel. And nearly all of the blood effects in this one, and especially the following one that we'll talk about, is you see it a lot on sci-fi where the blood you can tell is, is digitally added onto the screen. So, like, it is spraying, but it's supposed to be coming from the person, but it just looks like it's superimposed on top of that image. It looks really bad. It takes away from everything. It would be better off if... Again, it was just something that we didn't see. So after that scene, you think there's going to be some type of explanation or he's going to wander off somewhere. We're going to find out more about this bunny man guy. Nope. We just transfer right into a bunch of people camping out and immediately into a sex scene. So we have this camp out sex scene. The topless girl in the sex scene is, I looked it up, is Dahlia Elliott. And she is in a scene where not only is she having sex in the tent and then the bunny man comes in and he starts killing the guy that she's sleeping with, but then she's running, so you have this weird running topless scene and there's just there's just a lot going on. But it's almost like they're trying to force feed all of the super bro dude stuff in a horror movie right up front. It's like, oh we're you know, we're so edgy, we're killing kids, we got new chicks running, uh, we're killing people in a camp scene. The bunny man takes a girl out of her tent where she's in a sleeping bag and bags her up and he starts slamming her on a tree stump, and that's the kill scene for that one, which is, and I'll say this about these movies, I think, for one, I think that particular scene was a throwback to Friday the 13th, and I feel like there was a lot of scenes in here that were pay, trying to pay homage, I guess, to other films, or just blatantly ripping, ripping them off, and I really don't know, just the whole feel that I got from the film, I couldn't tell you which one was taking place, whether they were just ripping them off, or just kind of paying homage to those scenes, and you know, I don't think this movie 
I'm going to say that was the struggle with this movie. I don't know if it was taking itself too serious and trying to do all this and being like, look how awesome this is, or if they know that it's a low-budget slasher film and they know exactly what it is and what they're doing. Couldn't tell you. And I think, for me, it made it a little bit harder to enjoy because of all the things that were happening that were just so... I don't, I don't even I don't even know. Just not enjoyable. So after the bunny man does all this, he goes back to... I guess you can call it a house, and he, he sits down with this guy who is going to be this father-type figure. Now, I'm going to say that he was probably in the first film, and that sucks that I don't realize what their relationship is. But just based on the second film, it shows a guy pulling this skeleton out of a well, and it's got meat hanging off of it, and it's you can see all the bones and everything, and he's, I, you know, they didn't really explain what's going on with that. Bunny guy walks up to him, and the guy is extremely this type like redneck dirty grungy guy really thick hillbilly type accent and he talks mad shit to the bunny man i mean right off the bat he's just he's insulting him he's talking trash to him and the bunny man never says anything he just communicates with shrugs and throwing his hands around and moving his head and and that's it and you that's all the films he never says anything so they go from this scene to inside and they're sitting at this long table and they're eating with each other and again, I think that this might be something with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre where they're eating at the table. And this scene drags on forever. You know, we just had this huge slaughter scene, all this kind of other stuff. Nothing's really been explained. They're sitting at the table. Bunny Man never says anything. He's just eating food and, like, putting it up underneath the bunny hat and feeding himself that way. And the redneck dude is just still talking smack to him. And it's just it's just odd. It just goes nowhere for, like, ten straight minutes. And during this whole scene, he starts making fun of him because he told him to write something on a sign and hang it up out front. And, of course, the bunny man doesn't say anything, but he's telling him, you probably didn't even spell it right, you can't do anything right. And it's funny because, which is one of the funnier parts of the movie, he transfers over to showing that sign that says refreshments and it's spelled all incorrect and the letters are backwards and all this kind of stuff. And there's a family that shows up to the redneck guy's store and... Again, he's just dirty and sweaty, and this you know, nice-looking, well-dressed family comes in, and they have this sort of pointless conversation, but he's selling jerky in the store. And I guess this is supposed to make us think that this jerky is from human meat, and that's what all this is about, but honestly, I, I don't know. And also, the dude says stuff about kids. The, the rednecky dude says something about kids, and he's all, always making uncomfortable jokes about kids. He has a pedo joke. When they're sitting at the table in the earlier scene, it's just it's just all over the place. So after this scene, it's going to cut to some hikers, and you see the redneck guy. I keep calling him that because I can't remember his name. I think it's, maybe it's Josh or something. But it cuts to him on this mountain, and he's got this rifle, and he's got these hikers that he's scoping out through through the rifle. And it's a, it's a couple, I think it's maybe four or five girls that are hiking together, and he's got the scope on him. He's trying to shoot them. And he gets on his radio and he's telling Bunny Man, I can't get a clear shot from him and whatever. So then they hike. the hikers end up splitting up because some are faster than the others. And this is just on their own. They're, they're not being chased or anything. At this point, they just decide that, hey, some of us are slow. Some of us are hiking faster. We'll just go on ahead. And then immediately transferring from that to showing the Bunny Man, who just appears on the trail to two of the girls, I think. And they're freaked out, obviously. And he immediately gets to killing people and again the film is done absolutely zero and maybe the first film did more to set this up and i just missed it 
But I, I don't I don't care about any of these people. I don't care about the bunny man. I don't care about the redneck guy. I don't care about the people that they're killing. They've done nothing to have me as the person watching the film give a flying hoot about anything that happens to any of these people. So it just makes for a movie that you were just invested in zero. Well, one way or another, the bunny man ends up capturing two of them. They chain them up inside of a shed, and there's this really weird torture scene where... I don't guess they're really being tortured, but the the slimy guy has a girl that's chained down to a mattress, and he's just being on top of her and breathing in her face and saying a bunch of weird stuff. And his accent is... I, I don't know what part of redneckery that is that he's using but i can't tell where they're you know where that's from there is a scene where it there's a sheriff and his patch says scott county iowa so i guess they're located in iowa i don't i don't really know how country that is or, or where that guy gets his his accent from but anyway that's besides the point you have this mattress scene and the dad guy like i said i think his name is joe or josh or something like that he's being all gross and like super rapey and saying just oddball stuff that i you know, is so maybe again, I don't know. Is it supposed to be extreme or are they just tongue in cheek in all of this? I, I don't know. I have no idea. But for them to make a movie in 2011, 2014, and 2017, they somebody had some skin in the game with, the, with these films. Somebody was drinking the Kool Aid. I don't know. And we do get an insight a little bit into the, the, Joe character, the father figure guy, because as he's talking to these girls that he has chained up, he says that he likes to feel powerful like a god, and he enjoys watching people suffer, and this is kind of one of the only times in the whole movie that has a little bit of, I don't know, feels genuine, I guess, with this guy's character, him saying this, it's the first time you get just a little bit of insight, just a little bit of backbone to this film to say, okay, I'm starting to maybe see some motivations and understand a little bit of more of why things are happening the way they're happening and why these people are the way they are. So anyway, they're about to do who knows what to this girl that's chained to the mattress, and one of the other girls that's chained up, not to the mattress, just kind of off to the side, says, comes up with this wild idea. She says, I'll make you a deal. I saw some other hikers out there. If I can bring them back to you, you can have them for our freedom. And of course, this guy thinks that's a great idea, so he lets her go. Well, I, you know, yeah, I know, right? So anyway, she runs out. She goes to get these people. They give her a gun to go out and get these people. And the bunny man and, and Joe are still sitting there. And the girl on the mattress, because the Joe guy leaves, she's trying to convince bunny man. Because he hasn't said anything. So maybe she's thinking, oh, I can reach him. Good cop, bad cop. Maybe he's the reasonable one. And she's saying, you know, please let me go. Uh, you know, I won't tell anyone. It's it's fine. You can let me go, please. And begging and all this stuff. And they do this cool close-up shot of the bunny man head of the costume. And he goes to take it off. And this should be... I don't know if they showed his face in the first film. But for me in the second film, this should be a really big climactic part, right? He's going to take off the, the big bunny head. I'm going to get to see this guy's face. What does he look like? What's going on with him? And even though they did this great big reveal, and you see this, and I will say this was the coolest part of maybe all the films is what this guy actually looks like. So his skin is all torched and flaky and just scarred and a mess, and his eyes are solid black. Really cool makeup effect for this guy. The best effect in the whole film, really, out of, out of people getting chainsawed and cut in half and things stabbed him or whatever. The coolest effect was the Bunny Man guy with... The hat off, or the mask, or whatever you want to call it. His skin almost reminded me of, you ever seen a, a big, papery hornet's nest? 
It kind of looked like that. It, that's what it really looked like to me when I first saw it. But anyway, it's supposed to be this big deal, and it just wasn't. It fell flat because it was at a random part in the movie. You gain nothing by it other than just getting to see him, and he does a weird lick, lip, gross thing to let you know that he is in no way swayed by her or anyone else. He just does what he, I mean, he's already, she doesn't know this, but he's already killed a bus full of kids. So, you know, she's not going to get any sympathy from this guy. He's just an animal, I guess. And a uh, fun fact about hornet's nest, since I'm bringing that up, did you know that paper was, the idea from paper came from a hornet's nest? Some old Greek dude or whatever saw it and was just like, oh, that, you know, they take wood and they put spit on it and they make all this stuff. I could probably do that and make some, some shit to ride on. So, yeah, that's cool. I don't know if it's true or not, but I've heard that. So, yeah, that's neat. All right, so they, the girl goes out. She actually does find another campsite. There's other girls there. She goes over to them with this gun, kidnaps them, brings them back to where her friend is chained to the mattress. And sure enough, or you know, Joe's a man of his weird, sleazy word, and he lets her, lets her and her friend go and takes the other four into his shed dungeon thing and there's a bunch of stuff that happens in between there but it's not important and the movie moves on and we get a scene of joe back at his general store where he sells the beef jerky and a sheriff's officer shows up because there was a flashback earlier of him killing a police officer and a funny joke about when some of his jerky has like gold stars on it and he says it's just special and then you find out it's because that was meat that was made from you know some deputy that he killed so anyway, the sheriff's coming back to investigate that and trying to figure out where his officers are. And there's this weird kind of cat and mouse scene between them as they're talking. The sheriff, you know, again, this movie is just pieced together weird. The sheriff's walking around, and he notices that some of the dust is wiped off of a piano. And the guy said that no one's really been through there, and he doesn't get a lot of customers, but yet he's trying to say, well, I can see this dust has been freshly removed from this piano, so I know you've had people here today. And it, it's a cool idea. But the execution, just poor. And another thing I want to say about the Joe character, why does he sound like old Greg? If you've seen this movie, if you know who old Greg, if you know who he is, that's who this guy sounds like. Why did they do why do they do that? I can't take anything serious if he freaking sounds like old Greg. So the shit, you know, the, well anyway, the sheriff's deputy, he he pisses off. Joe goes around and they take one of the girls out that the other captured couple had brought to him and you finally are going to see what they do. They just, they're just they just killing people. You know, there's no setup or nothing. He's just He takes one of the girls out at random, and he puts her in a barrel, and he puts a bunch of screws in it, and then kicks the barrel down the hill, and then that's what kills her. So that sounds really cool, but again, just the way it was done, I don't know. Fell flat. And during all this, Bunny Man is there, but you see that Joe is kind of the mouthpiece of everything, obviously, because Bunny Man doesn't talk. But Joe's the one controlling and doing all of this murderous stuff himself. So I think, again, that takes away from what Bunny Man is supposed to be. You realize that he's just part of this other psycho dude stuff. He does his own thing, but this other guy's just as murderous and has just as much fun killing people. So, again, who who am I looking at here? Who is supposed to be the bad guy? Are they a family? Is this a family of bad guys like in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? What in the absolute fuck are they trying to do with this film? Anyway, she dies. And the the girls escape, some of the girls escape, they end up finding them all, and it's ridiculous. Like, the bunny man walks up to one of them and just punches her right in the face. She just stands there and doesn't do anything. So they recapture all these people, and some some other insignificant stuff happens, and long story short, the people who are still alive end up in this weird chase scene at the end through the woods, 
where the people that are still left alive are running. They're in the woods. Bunny Man's chasing them. Joe's chasing them. The sheriff's deputy, he's out there somehow. And the sheriff and Joe meet up and cross paths. And instead of just, I think the sheriff even had the jump on him. He could have shot him. They have this long back and forth talking scene like, just give me a reason. And all this stupid spaghetti western stuff that had zero place in there. And what do they do? Well, they have a showdown. And when I when I say a showdown, I mean like a quick draw, old saloon style, out in front of the bar, hat brim, squinty eyed showdown. And the sheriff's guy has a pistol and the Joe guy has this huge hunting rifle. So, you know, just imagine one trying to quick draw on the other with those two things. Well, of course, the sheriff shoots, he misses, Joe ends up shooting the sheriff guy. And the last two surviving girls, they make it to a truck that's out there. I want to say, I think it was the sheriff's truck that's out there. And he's telling them, hey, there's a pistol under the seat, but it's only got, you know, two two or three rounds in it. So you got to make them count. And you can already kind of foreshadow what's going to, why does he have a gun with two or three rounds under the seat? You know what these two or three rounds, you know where they're about to go. So some more BS happens. Money Man gets over there. He pulls one of the girls out of the truck, ends up killing her. So now there's only one girl left. She's confronted with the bunny man. What does she do? Well, she eats a bullet. She does the same thing I wanted to do at the end of this film. So it's only fitting that that was the end of the film because it was almost the end of the film for me. Just kidding. And um, yeah, that was it. And we end with bunny man literally walking off into the sunset. You just see his silhouette walking in to the sun setting. And that is the end of the film. Another thing I'll say about this film is the sound effects whoever their sound guy was, is everything's just turned up. And there is gravel, walking gravel sound that is heard throughout the whole film. It doesn't matter where in the ship people were walking. You're walking in the store, gravel sounds. Car driving up, gravel sounds. You're in the woods, gravel sounds. It was all just this crunching, grinding gravel. The school bus, gravel sounds. And it just got so over the top and annoying. It's all I could hear throughout the whole film was the sound of fucking crunching gravel. Anyway, that's our, it's the second film in the trilogy, first film I saw. Now we're going to move on to the follow-up of this masterpiece, Bunny Man Vengeance. So again, Bunny Man Vengeance was in 2017, and it's going to start with this 8mm type viewing of a kid having gas on him and being, and, and being burned alive. Now, obviously, I didn't know that this was the third film and a sequel to the second film. So I thought, oh, okay, well, the first film was this other one. had zero backstory, didn't explain anything, nothing really happened. And so in this film, they're going to try to show us some backstory. We're going to figure out all the complaints maybe I guess they got with that film. They were going to try to remedy in this next film. And they did try to give you some backstory. They did show this old 8mm footage and never shows you who's recording it which would have been a big thing for me to find out like, okay, well, who's actually recording this kid getting gas thrown on him and burnt and burned alive. But anyway, we see a group of guys out there. One guy has a jar with this liquid on it, throws it on him, catches him on fire. He's burning. The fire goes out. Another kid comes up and he's trying to help him and be nice to him. And the kid who becomes bunny man checks the kid who's checking on him. And he's got this large burn scar on his arm. And this is supposed to tie them together somehow? I don't know. It's going to get just as weird and just as pointless as the first film. 
So that thing plays on for a while. We see that kid also being picked on and getting rocks thrown at him, I guess, because he's all scarred up after he'd just been burned alive and he's still living and these people come and start throwing rocks. It's just, it's ridiculous. Just what, whatever. So anyway, we cut to the bunny man. He's again walking down the road. He's got this big sack and I can't remember if something's moving in the sack or not, but anyway, he throws it off of his back and he just starts beating it relentlessly and you find out that there's a little kid in this sack. Walks over to a bus stop, pulls the kid out of the sack, sets him up on the bus stop, and I guess the same thing that happened in the second film is supposed to be happening this with the bus stop. Well, sheriff's deputy car rolls up. Sheriff gets out. Not the same guy from the second film, but the uh, cop guy gets out. He's, like, challenging him, you know, telling me how to kill him and all this kind of stuff. Then out of nowhere, this car pulls up, runs over the deputy, and he says... To the bunny man, he calls him by name, calls him Michael, and says, Michael, get in the car. Now, this is the first I've heard a name for him. Maybe they said his name in the first film, but I never heard it. So, third film, we finally get to know this guy's backstory with the video, and his name is Michael. So, we cut to a hiker that has a scope on, like, someone's looking at her through a scope, and then it shows the guy holding the gun, and then it shows the hiker again, and he shoots her, and she dies. And then that's it. There's no other explanation for that. We don't know who the fuck this dude is. He just shot this hiker that was going by. There's no um, nothing about him picking up the body or trying to make meat or whatever they were trying to say in the second film. It's just something that happens randomly. And then we cut over to Michael and the guy that he's in the car with driving to this old haunted house attraction looking thing. And as soon as, we'll, we'll call Bunny Man Michael from now on. So as soon as Michael gets there, he's met by the kid in the old video with the burn scar is talking to him and he's showing him an old storage container that I guess used to be his where he would sleep and there's all these old memories in there that Michael sees and he starts freaking out and wrecking the place and smashing everything and you can tell that the kid that's helping him out is I guess maybe looks nervous that Michael's acting this way so after that Another big table scene. We have another big table of everybody eating. We have characters that we have no idea who they are yet. We don't know what they're about. And maybe, again, maybe they were in the first film. So I I could be wrecking myself. Maybe I need to check myself before I wreck this whole episode by not watching the first film. But you know what? It wasn't on Tubi, and I was not going to hunt it down. It's going to be honest with you. So we're at this table scene. Everybody's eating. There's the head guy. You can tell he's the head guy because he talks the most, and he's start saying some stuff like let's see if Michael still has it so they put this plan together they go out and find some campers they make an ambush plan the guys that Michael is with they put on these masks and you can tell this is something that not only they've done in the past but they probably do a lot so they make a plan to get these hikers and cut off their exit paths and all that and they send in Michael he's in his bunny man oh and again during all this he still has on the bunny outfit so he's even though he's with people that he knows or that seem to know him or recognize him they are the guys from the video of, and here's something weird that I don't, it makes no sense, but they are the guys from the 8mm video, and the main guy looks like an adult in that video, and then when he meets them now, they look the, the exact same age. So did only Michael and the buddy that helped him out with the burn scar were kids and these other guys didn't age? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So they end up killing some of these hikers and you know, whatever weird way they do with chainsaws and poles or whatever. They throw a couple of them in the van and they take off. Well, the two guys at the front of the van start talking to each other about how Michael's been acting weird and they don't know if they can trust him. And it's just way far removed from all the conversation that was just happening before they went out there. And then it shows 
funny man in the back of the van just stomping on one of the people that they had just kidnapped. You know, and they're they're like, this is the kind of shit I'm talking about. You know, he's just he's so angry all the time. And I don't know what the I don't know how long he's been away from these people or, or even who the hell they are. So there's no frame of reference. So when they say thing, nothing is impactful in the movie because I don't know where it's coming from. I have no baseline for anything. And again, the problem in the, the second film was I just didn't care about anyone. So I don't care what happens to these people. I don't know who they are to him, who he is to them. And, you know, the victims are just random people that they show camping out somewhere. So there's no story on them. And it just really cripples the film. I mean, it really does. So two of these campers that they have left, they decide they're going to the the group or the family that Michael's with. They're going to do their own killing thing. So just like the Joe guy, they're already murderers like Michael is. Mass murderers? Serial killers? What's the difference? I think, well, you know, story time. The uh, technical difference, if you want to know, is I, I believe the FBI, whoever classifies this kind of stuff, a serial killer kills multiple people at different times. Whereas a mass murderer does it all at once, which should make sense, which, you know, when you say it out loud like that. But just in case you didn't know, that's the difference. Yeah, so... Okay, now you know. I guess that means these guys are both, or they've at least done both. I guess it's not exclusive. You're not just one or the other. They fit all the categories. So these two kills are supposed to be a big part in the movie. You can tell because they take a lot of time with them, and even though they don't add nothing, I guess it's like hostile or something, you know, along those kind of films where the kills don't really mean anything. That is the point of the film, is the kills and how crazy they are. That's what this film does. So one of the guys, he has both the... There's two female characters that were campers. They're all tied up and bound or whatever. One's in a chair and one's laying down on a table. And she's got this neck brace thing on that I guess is supposed to look like some type of shackle. But it just looks like she's wearing a fucking neck brace and a back brace. And he's being creepy like the Joe guy was. The dialogue's just written poorly. He, she, he goes over to her and he's he just repeats the same lines. Like he's trying to be intimidating and scary. It just doesn't work because, and it's not his fault. These guys, you know, he, he's an act, he can act fine. The actors are fine. It was just the dialogue and how it was given. And so he's saying the same stuff, basically giving their option, tells her to pick one or two. She picks one of them or no, no, no. I'm sorry. That was a different scene. He tells her to pick uh, water or spiders, water or spiders, waters or, or, or spiders. She picks water he forces her to drink this tube of stuff, and he's like, oh, <laughs> I forgot, it's acid. And it burns her throat, and this ridiculous digital effects on her stomach burns a hole in the middle of her, and he peeks through it. Which, again, is it a reference to Texas Chainsaw Massacre when the person shoots herself in the head, and it you know, it goes through, and the camera goes through it or whatever? Maybe. I don't know. Either way, it was lame. It was lame, dude. That's all I gotta say. So, of course, that one picked water. The next one gets spiders. So he goes over and he gets all these tarantulas and he dumps them out on her. They start walking around on her. And I'm like, okay, well, how's this going to go? Because we all know you're not getting killed by no tarantula. I don't care if three or four of them bite them, bite you, and you're tied to a table. You're probably not going to die from it. Well, I'll tell you how it fucking happens. The spider walks up, goes up to her mouth, crawls down into her mouth, and she chokes on the spider. And that's... I don't know. So now they're dead. So now this is over. We're wondering where we're going from here. And all of a sudden, another car of people just show up. So you know, okay, well, this is just going to be another bunch of fresh victims for this murderous family at this haunted place. And the car gets there, and these people are getting out. They're like, this isn't a good idea. And the guy's like, I think it's a great idea. Instantly, they go in and start being killed, you know, by everyone that's in there, uh, Michael and the rest of the crew. 
the bunny man's killing him with shovels. He's pinning one guy to the wall with the shovel and beating him with it and just all this other, it, you know, it is super violent. Just the effects and everything else is so bad. It sucks all the uh, shock value right out of it. Now, during this struggle with this group, one of the uh, female passengers in there ends up getting a needle, never says what's in it. It was just chilling in a coffin. It's humongous. And she stabs the bunny man in the back with it. And what do you think happens? Does it kill bunny man? Where'd this big needle come from? What's in it? I don't know what the fuck's in it, but I do know one thing. Bunny man goes on a trip. And I'm talking an acid trip. It is a whole scene. You know, think of, uh, what was that? Fantasia or whatever, where all this weird, like, trippy shit starts happening. And that's what happens to Bunny Man. He starts having flashbacks of all the people from the other films, the school buses. He's running. There's all this really acid trip stuff going on. Some kind of club synth German house music starts playing in the background. The Their lyrics are really weird about you're the machine and you're the machine power and all this other weird shit. Dude, it is fucking crazy. It's it's so crazy, it's one of the parts that I liked in the movie because it was just so out of place and it was so perfect for this film to just throw that in there just like everything else, just random. What the fuck is this? Why is it here? Did this happen in the first film? If you've seen it, do you know? Did this weird trip stuff happen? Is this some kind of weird flashback? Again, you're hoping that maybe this flashback is going to add something to the story or make me start giving a shit about someone or something and it doesn't. It's just there. And then just like everything else, it's gone, adds nothing, takes nothing away. So she does this. She makes her way out. You think she's going to escape in the most anti-dry vanilla way possible. One of the guys comes up and cuts her throat while she's just hanging out next to a fence. If you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So now after this has happened, the crew gets together and they decide it's time to get our haunted house together. And there's this cutscene of a montage of them putting all the things together and I guess they're using bodies that they have killed in the haunted house. Again, is this a Ghoulies reference? I don't know. Could be. This guy's got to be a horror fan if he's making horror movies, right? Well, you don't have to be, but, I mean, to make three of them, I would think. There's even a scene where one guy's doing push-ups, because that gets you ready for horror night. So then we cut to the... One of the characters is all dressed up, and he's kind of being the MC for this horror, uh, this, this horror house, this haunted house. And he's talking... There's a big line outside of people waiting to get in. They're only letting them in a few at a time. The first two girls come in. They get locked in this weird hallway. And, of course, Michael just appears at the end of it, goes in there, kills both of them. Then there's another montage scene of him just killing different people, and it ends with him standing in that same hallway, and there's just all these mutilated, bloody bodies lining the hallway. Then it cuts back to the guy that's emceeing outside for the people waiting in line. And some girl runs up behind him and she's covered in blood. And she just starts screaming like, they're killing us, they're killing us, it's a trap, they're killing us, all this stuff. And he's turned around he's like, shut up, bitch, you gotta be quiet, whatever. And then out of nowhere just pulls a gun and just shoots her right in the head in front of everybody. Which obviously is gonna, nobody's gonna want to come in now. He just, you know, executed this girl that's trying to warn all these people. So of course everyone scatters. So what do they do? They come in and they blame it all on Michael. They're like, Michael, this is your fault. You've gone crazy, and for these guys who have just been senselessly killing everyone, whether Michael was there or not, you get the idea that they've been doing this just like the last film. They're telling him that he's crazy. Like, dude, you're out of control. You you've got to you know you've got to be stopped. 
and they decide that they're going to try to kill him because he screwed their business over. They start having this talk about how, like, hey, the, you know, we're going to be running for the rest of our lives. I'm like, again, the things that just don't make sense. They've been killing people for the whole film. I don't think just because this one, you know, massacre thing at the haunted house, you're going to be chased for all the other people that you killed earlier and that you've been talking about that you killed in the past. But, you know, it's just, uh, it's just more of the same this film this random stuff they talk about now all of a sudden they're going to kill michael well the guy that helps him out even in the beginning in the eight millimeter film the guy the the buddy of his that had the burn scar comes out to michael because michael's about to leave like he's once they kind of go off on him he decides he's going to leave the the leader of the gang is just like hey we're going to split up it's every man for himself we catches michael out in the car and he's like hey i think my brothers are going to try to kill you please don't hurt my brothers. If you just get out of here and and run away, then they can't find you. And yeah, so there's this heart to heart scene where he's trying to convince the bunny man. And I guess the bunny man is like, Oh yeah, you're that guy that helped me. You're my friend. Of course he doesn't say that, but he's like, yeah, you're gonna help me out, whatever. And the guy walks off and his brothers just shoot him, just kill him right there behind Michael after he just watched this. And I guess you're supposed to feel bad that, hey, this guy was one of the good ones, even though he was there murdering everyone. And another thing about this character, too, with the burn scar, he is portrayed as someone that's mentally retarded. So I, I guess that's part of it. Like, they kind of uh, they verbally abuse him and all this other stuff and treat him like absolute shit. So when he comes to Bunny Man and he talks with a very... His voice is over the top. So you remember in... What was that movie called? Uh, Tropical Tropic Thunder? You remember when he was playing... A character of someone that was, you know, mentally handicapped. And uh, Robert Downey's character was telling him, you never go full retard. Not my words, his. That's kind of what happened in this movie. And it was a little, oh, you know, look, I'm not going to say it was offensive or anything. But it was one of those things where it is super over the top. And then when they kill this guy without any type of cause or setup or anything you know that him and michael just kind of had this heart to heart that's his friend that's the guy that helped him out and then he goes back to his brothers after basically trying to save their lives too from michael because he knows he's dangerous and they just shoot him and then one of the brothers is like well you didn't have to do that and he's like man fuck him i think he even actually says that so the guy gets that same gun he points it at michael he's like where are you going michael takes off and they decide one of them says something like where do you think he's going oh he's going to go back home the only place he knows the junkyard is that the only place he knows is that his home? Maybe that was established in the first film. Sure as fuck wasn't established in these films. So this is at night. We cut to a scene that's now during the day. They're all at the junkyard. So it shows the two uh, brothers are part of the gang that is left. I don't know if they're brothers. I just assume because the way it played out, it just seemed like these three guys that were with Michael are brothers. If not, they're close friends or, you know, whatever they are. The The crew... And they're out there looking for Michael. So they're walking through this junkyard with guns. This is going to be the same junkyard from the second film where a lot of the murders took place. And Michael ends up sniping them from a distance. And then walking up, he kills the first guy that killed his buddy with a kitchen sink. And then the second guy, he follows him in an awkward, weird, two-mile-an-hour car chase where the guy wrecks into a tree for no reason whatsoever. Pulls him out, pours gas on him, and lights him on fire. And I don't even think he was the main guy that lit him on fire in the 8mm video. So why that is the way it is, who the hell knows. So after this happens, the bunny man starts hearing voices. And in the second film, he heard voices in his head too. And I don't know who this is supposed to be. His mom, his girlfriend, I don't know. But they always whisper random stuff that happened in both films. 
the voice would whisper, whisper something like, they can't hurt you anymore, no one can hurt you anymore. You get more of this after he's killed these last two guys, and then he just wanders off into the sunset again. Again, we have that silhouette image of him with the sun in front of him, so, you know, it just gives him, him literally just walking into the sunset. And then he stops, stares out for a little while, takes off the bunny head, sets it down, and walks away from it. And that is the end of the movie and the end of the trilogy. I don't even know where you would go from there. Again, is it a bad movie? Uh, I'm going to say, yeah, this time. It just wasn't good. I just didn't really enjoy it. Uh, It was painful to go through the second one, but after watching the first one, I was like, well, look, I can't just have a movie review where I'm just shitting on one film. I'll watch the second one and give it a chance. I really want to try to be objective about this kind of stuff, but it just wasn't my thing, you know? I know with Sharknado and a bunch of these other films, like, the corniness of it is supposed to be the point. And movies like Hostel with, like, the murder scenes and all that kind of stuff is supposed to be the point. That's what's cool about it. But this one just didn't. Whatever it was trying to do, it just didn't. It just didn't execute any of them. Or it was trying to execute all those things at once. And it fell flat for me. I did like the Bunny Man character. Oh, and so, yeah. That's, I mean, that's just what I thought. But I'll end with this. The Bunny Man is actually an urban legend that comes from... Fairfax County, Virginia. So I'm done talking about the films. If you want to hear a little bit about this urban legend, I'm going to give you what I found on fairfaxcounty.gov. So this is was a an article that's on there from the Public Library Historian, right? So apparently in 1973, there was rumors of a bunny man in multiple different states. The, uh, the main place where they all seemed to center around was Fairfax, Virginia, around a, a, a railroad and a railroad bridge in a station where teens would go to party and drink and make out and do all that kind of stuff. So it became an urban legend in those circles where people said, hey, there's a guy in a bunny man that shows up with a hatchet and he kills bad kids and people that are doing, you know, bad sexual stuff, you know, that kind of urban legend. And there was also a legend that he was known for killing bad children. And I, again, it said the thing about the teens, but I think it also meant small kids as well. And then he, he would hang their bodies from the bridge and all this kind of crazy stuff. So this guy that, and again, this is on their actual government website, uh, he decided to do some research and try to find out if this is real or if it's based in reality at all, if there's any substance to the Bunny Man legend and where it came from. So he does all this stuff, goes all the way back to, to 1949 and finds a bunch of me, uh, murder cases in Fairfax County, Virginia, finds all the children murder cases, starts digging through all this stuff, and he finds a couple of them, and there are some where, you know, a guy killed someone with a hatchet, or he killed kids and did all this other stuff. There was one that was awful, so this guy was part of, like, a nudist colony, and his wife and his daughter were out there, and they got in a fight, and he says he dropped them off in a field and was going to walk home, but then they found that the wife had been beaten to death, and the kid was buried alive with the dead mom and all this kind of crazy stuff, find out he did it, and he was sent to this insane asylum or whatever, so... There was some crazy shit going on back there. And the fact that that happened in 1949, I don't know, it's just kind of wild to me. So anyway, the guy that was researching this, he ends up researching... This guy, this fucking tool ends up researching this for like eight years. He was probably getting funded, I don't know. Maybe he just kept getting money. He's like, oh yeah, I don't know anything yet. I need another couple of hundred thousand dollars to research this stuff. So who knows? Anyway, eight years later, he finds an article in the Washington Post from 1970 of a guy in a bunny costume on Halloween that threw an axe or a hatchet through a window. And was throwing them through the windows of cars. And there was a couple of follow-up stories of teens. It sounded to me like these teens were finding places to make out. And it was land that was being 
you know, repossessed or, or re... What's the word? That was being redeveloped. So it was, it was a bunch of farmland, and they were about to slap a bunch of rural development on it. So these people would go out there to make out or do whatever, and some guy would show up in a bunny outfit and start yelling, you're on private property, get out of here, I'll kill you, whatever, and he would start throwing hatchets and, and axes and stuff at their vehicles to get them out of there. And there's a couple of different stories of this going on with not only just teens but adults as well. Some of it they think was just hype from the previous stories, but there was a guy who was out there who didn't want people on this land, and he didn't want it to be repurposed for rural development. So it's one of those urban legends where it is real, but it's not real. It happened. It comes from somewhere where some things happened, and some guy might have been in a bunny outfit, or one of the stories was saying that it wasn't a bunny outfit. It was like a clan hood. Who the hell knows? All this stuff was going on back in 1940 or 1970, whatever. So, you know, I don't know what was going on in Virginia back then. Both of those seem just as plausible to me. And that is the the urban legend of the actual bunny man. So you can look it up. There's a bunch of stuff on Wikipedia and all that, but I went to the fairfaxcounty.gov site and it was there. I figure that's a pretty viable source. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's this week's episode. It's a bummer, but you know, I think uh, next week's episode is going to be the pre-2000 film, so I'll try to find something a little bit cooler, something we can all get into. But that is this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing, leave me some comments, give me suggestions. You can send me stuff to review at justjameshorrorpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. This is Just James Horror Review. I'm your host, Just James. You know, is it a good film? Uh, you know, you know what? No, it's not a fucking good film. Yeah, you know, I don't. You know, look, I don't want to shit on nobody. I don't want to shit on no one's work of art. I'm sure people worked really hard on this. Maybe it's a big break for someone. Maybe one of these people grow up to be some kind of big fucking mega star. Our bunny man comes out and he's the next new ghost face. I don't fucking know. All I know is I didn't like this fucking movie. Okay, I didn't like it. They, they know what they did. They know what they did. If I was sitting here with the producer, I'd feel bad because I'd be shitting on his stuff right in front of him. But come on, dude. You know what you did. You, I saw it. I seen it. Acting, whack. Dialogue, whack. Scenery, whack. Special effects, even the sounds. Fucking whack. Dude, it's like you didn't even... You got a bunny suit and you was like, you know what? This is scary as shit. And you're right. It is. But you didn't take even a half bit of effort on anything else. The redneck guy, he was pretty cool. I'll give you that. But, damn it. I mean, come on. Fucking do better. You know, we watch these horror films, us fans. We only got so much time because we got a life sometimes. Even if you don't have a life, I could be doing anything else. And I'm going to watch this fucking... I don't know. It's not. It's okay. It's not that bad. It is that bad. I can't eat. It is. It's not. It is. Anyway. I don't know.